We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Thunder fans, and welcome to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast. I am your host, Taylor Peterson. You can find me on Twitter at Taylor underscore P15. Here at the Uncontested, we are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, a great podcast network that we are very proud to be a part of. Uh, be sure to follow them on Twitter as well. They've been posting some great highlights of um, the NBA season so far, as well as NFL. If you guys are NFL fans, they've been uh, having some great highlights on on Sundays of uh, NFL Sunday games. So definitely be sure to check them out. We also are brought to you guys tonight uh, by Roman. Um, but however, the Thunder lost a heartbreaker tonight, 94-93, losing their first of the past four games. They had won three straight before tonight, and they end up losing this one by one point. Uh, they end up falling 11-13 on the season, and I believe, even with the loss tonight, they're still 7th in the West, West, which is just absolutely crazy. So, I tweeted out earlier today that I was going to be covering the game to stay up with me and uh, follow along, and I'm super appreciative of all you guys who did, because I had some great interactions tonight, especially for a late West Coast game. However, I had somebody reply to me saying that, sorry, um, us olds are going to bed, and I certainly understand that. <laughs> I definitely get that. I know there's, uh, there's many of you that stayed up, like I said earlier, and I'm really appreciative of that as well. But for the those of you who either were super sleepy when watching the game um, late tonight, or for those of you who went to bed early, this one is definitely worth a recap. So I'll give you guys a quick recap. I got a little ad read for you guys. Uh, we'll jump into some themes for tonight's game. I'll do your Twitter questions, and then we'll get out of here. So the first quarter happens, um, and it was a little rough to get through. Both teams kind of started out slow. 
Steven started aggressive again, which was fantastic to see. Um, he had the team's first four points, was active on both ends. He, he was moving great. He did have KT tape again on, uh, I believe it was his left shoulder, which we haven't seen over the past couple of games, which means that he may be battling some soreness, but he certainly did not show it tonight. He's been playing fantastic um, so far over this, this recent stretch of Thunder basketball, and he continued that today. It was great. Um, Gallo, however, coming he came back today. Uh, he, he played after having an ankle injury the previous game. He started 0-2 from 3, and kind of continued his cold streak that he had had over the past couple of games before finally breaking out of that in the second quarter, which I'll get into. But the Thunder had a run that put them up 3. Uh, the Kings go on a 7-0 run, keep it close again the first quarter. This game really was almost a game of runs, which was <laughs> really kind of interesting, and it made it really entertaining. Um, however, a, another uh, first quarter note that I had is that there was quite a few subs. There's some interesting lineups that Billy... Um, I haven't really seen from him, I think, so far this season. For example, um, later on in the first quarter, there was a lineup of Shea, Dort, Baisley, Shooter, and Nerlens Noel. Then shortly after that, almost as soon as I tweeted that out, it was about a minute later, or a couple minutes, sorry, a couple minutes later, um, Nader comes in for Shea, and this lineup just absolutely lacked all kinds of offense. Um, it was about maybe maybe two minutes and I, I'd have to go back and check this, but I think it was like around two minutes. Um, the Kings go on a little bit of a run, obviously. And so then Billy brings in Chris Paul. And then shortly after that, he substitutes Noel because Noel kind of struggled a little bit in the first quarter, although he had a fantastic game, which we'll get into, and brought um, uh, Steven back in. And so all that to say, I thought the uh, substitution patterns were a little interesting early on, but it was obvious that Billy was aware of that. And um, he wasn't just going to let that second unit run and, and try and work through the the struggles, right? He he brought in the right players to try and win this game. And um, I think Billy's been doing a great job, and I think that was a great example of that. So the Thunder only shot 6 of 20, which is 30% from the field, and only 2 of 7 from 3 in the first quarter. Second quarter happens. Really was a tale of two quarters. Second quarter was just like a complete opposite of the first um, Gallo and Shooter hit four straight threes, which sparks an 11-0 run, and I, I get it. Four straight threes is 12 points. Uh, I think there was a, field, a, a free throw in there from the Kings, so it was 11-0 run. Thunder held the Kings to just 15 sec second quarter points, which is pretty incredible. The defense was fantastic, but maybe even more fantastic than that was a guy that I kind of dogged on a little bit so far this season, and Dennis Shooter. He had 15 points in 15 minutes to end the half. I mean, averaging a point a minute is pretty fantastic, um, especially in the NBA and especially for a guy like Shooter. Um, he's been playing incredible so far over this recent stretch, this uh, recent win streak, and that just continued tonight. Thunder got up to 41.5% shooting from the from, from the floor um, in the sec second quarter after, like I said, shooting only 6 of 20 in the first quarter, 30%. Um, they're 45% from three after being only... 2 of 7 from 3 in the first quarter, so a pretty dramatic improvement, a pretty fantastic second quarter. So after halftime, we come out into the third quarter, and it started out great. It really did. It was a, a great start with CP3 just destroying the pick and roll. He was throwing lobs to Steven, then Steven's got, uh, Steven got substituted out for Nerlens. CP3 was throwing lobs to Nerlens. Um, it was super exciting. He was just tearing up the Kings defense. 
they were sending two defenders at at him, um, kind of hedging on the pick and roll, uh, trying to trap CP3, and he was just taking full advantage of that. Thunder led by as many as 14 points, I believe. I have that in my notes, but then a combination of missed threes and bad threes, um, consisting of you know Lou Dort taking some good threes but just missing them, and then Dennis Schroeder and some others uh, on the Thunder taking some bad threes. That gave Buddy the chance that he needed. Buddy Hill, former Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma uh, basketball player, who uh, a lot of us here in Oklahoma are big fans of, and he's known to be a Thunder killer historically since he's been in the league. And he had a rough first half, but in the third quarter he turned it on. So Buddy and the Kings get hot, leads to a 10-2 Kings run. Thunder are only up two heading to the fourth quarter. And that's when all the craziness happens. Um, the you-know-what hits the fan, <laughs> for lack of a better term, without having to censor my podcast. Thunder go on a 14-2 run, going into the first part of the fourth quarter, um, if you include some of the third quarter. But then Sacramento goes on a 12-0 run, like I mentioned earlier, just a game of runs, just absolutely crazy to get the lead. Uh, Buddy and Bogdanovich both just kind of, they, they really kind of led that run there uh, for Sacramento. Now, um, Bagley and a couple of the other role players um, for, obviously Bagley's not much of a role player, but a couple of the other role players for the Kings were kind of sprinkled in there and contributed to that run, but primarily it was led by Buddy and uh, Bogdanovich. So, we get towards the end of the game with about three-ish minutes left, and it's essentially just, you know, going back and forth. So, Chris Paul misses a three. My man, Bogdog, I really do like him, Bogdanovich. I gave him the, the nickname Bogdog here last season. He gets a layup with 2.52 left. Nader hits a career-high fifth three-pointer to tie it up the next possession, right? But Billy Shroop sh- sh- subs Shooter in, trying to combine words there, um, already had Shooter to check in for Nader right before Nader hits that three. It's all tied up with one minute left. Fast forward to one minute left. All tied up. Crazy eight-second call happens. And essentially, uh, this is very controversial. I'm, sh- I'm sure you guys probably saw this on Twitter. Um, but the Thunder thought that they had a reset shot clock. But apparently they did not. Rather, uh, I think Billy mentioned after the game he thought the ball was tipped before Shea regained possession. Um, I think Chris Fisher on the broadcast mentioned that um, he felt that the Thunder got the ball across half court. But regardless... Like I said, very controversial. They call eight second, call an eight-second violation for knocking the ball past half-court, King's ball. Thunder get a makeup call on an offensive foul on the other end of the floor. It very much felt like an off, a uh, makeup call because it, it wasn't super apparent. So the Thunder gets the ball right back. Shea gets fouled, drives to the rim, does great, draws the foul, sinks both free throws in the, in the clutch, Thunder up two with 31.6 seconds left. And it's, it's at this point that I tweet on the, the account that just seems like a perfect opportunity for Buddy Hill, the known Thunder killer, to knock down a three-point shot here and, and just get the Kings the lead and essentially the win. But it was not Buddy. Thunder played phenomenal defense. They really did. Uh, out of the timeout. And I thought and I thought my youngest sibling, uh, my younger brother, Hayden Peterson, you can find him on Twitter at HP. 15 NBA. I had him on the post-game podcast here last week, um, and I thought he, he pointed out a really good point. Billy really had a great defensive strategy coming out of the timeout. He had um, our defenders hedging screens, 
and just we were swarming them defensively. They're playing fantastic defense, particularly on Buddy. You could tell if they were targeting Buddy. Well, Buddy's able to make a phenomenal pass over to Bogdanovich, who is open on the left corner wing. Um, Shooter is down under the basket, trying to cover for Steven, <laughs> who's also helping. He goes out to defend Bogdanovich, but he bites on the pump fake. Bogdanovich takes one dribble, I believe, hits the shot, puts the Kings up one, which is just absolutely killer. So Billy calls the timeout, calls a play out of the timeout, which calls for a high uh, pick. Steven coming up, setting a pick on Chris Paul's man. This gives Chris Paul some room to create. He gets a pretty decent mid-range shot off, but he's unable to hit it. It's not really his fault necessarily, but it just doesn't fall. That's the ball game. And like I mentioned earlier, the Kings end up beating the Thunder 94-93. So, needless to say, as I mentioned earlier, it was a very tight and entertaining game yet again. Um, But before we get into some positive and negative things for tonight's game, a word from one of our sponsors. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether and, and with excuses like, I had a long day at work. Or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is even more simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today, connect with a doctor, and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. Alright, now, some themes from tonight. And it's late yet again, and I'm running a little behind because I had to put some notes together. So, I'm going to my go-to of positive and negatives. And honestly, for me, it's been really fun to kind of help me uh, categorize each game. And I've really enjoyed doing them. But I realized I can maybe get a little old. So if you guys are kind of getting burned out on them, or you'd rather we switch up formats for each post game, or however you're feeling, be sure to let us know. Tweet at us and let us know. Uh, let me know if you want me to change my format. Or if you're enjoying it, if you like our consistency uh, in our post game podcast, um, let us know as well. Because obviously we have five of us, we're each doing different podcasts. Um, and if you're liking what you're hearing, always let us know. Uh, you know, we, we love to hear back from you guys. So be sure to tweet at us. Now, with all that being said, I'm still going to do some negatives and some pos- positives for tonight. I'm going to start with the negatives. The Thunder shoot 43% from the field, 34 of 79. And that is below their season average of 46.3% per NBA.com. Now, that's not much lower by any means, but that percentage was kind of uh, inflated tonight due to a extremely hot second quarter, I felt like, and like I mentioned earlier. And 
the first part of the third quarter before it just kind of tanked off. So I didn't feel like the Thunder really shot the ball all that well, even though their percentage wasn't uh, overall all that much less than their season average. From there, the Thunder kind of cooled off after the, like, I guess midway through the third, and that's when the Kings just kind of caught fire. And all that to say, that leads me to another negative, being that the Thunder played their third away game in four days, which is crazy to think about. Um, I can't believe they had won three straight prior to that. It just, it, it really is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but they're just playing so well together. They're having fun together. They have great chemistry. All of it's kind of come together. Um, but you could just tell tonight, particularly in that fourth quarter, it just seemed like they got really tired. Um, it showed in their stagnant first quarter just to begin the game. But it really showed, uh, well, in the first quarter, I guess, you know, they, uh, I think some really good coaching uh, and some sparks from the from some different players, particularly Schroeder, uh, and then obviously Gallo catching fire towards the end of the first and, and towards the beginning of the second quarter really helped this team kind of overcome that. But when you've played that many games in so many days and on the road, much less at home, that kind of leads to a fourth quarter like the Thunder had where they just let Sacramento get hot defense kind of gets lazy they're taking bad shots and and poor shot selection um and that leads to some major comebacks like we saw in the late third and fourth quarter of tonight's game as i mentioned earlier this was the thunder's seventh game decided by three points or fewer and that's tied for second with none other than the sacramento kings after tonight which is pretty crazy so the fact that this team had won three straight and had this game down to the wire is really pretty incredible. Um, now, before I get into a, or be any more positive, I do have two more negatives here. Another one here is Shay. And uh, our guy Jacob, ThunderMom405, he covers the blue tonight. Be sure to go and give him a follow. He did a great job. Now, he is going to disagree with me here. And he's already talked about it in our Slack. He tweeted this out. Um, he'll disagree with me to an extent, I think. But... I personally felt that Shea struggled again overall after having a stretch of just fantastic games there. Like, it, it's no coincidence that the Thunder rattled off three straight when Shea was playing some of his best basketball the entire season. Um, he had 14 points tonight, but only shot 4-11 from the field. And he only attempted one three-point shot. He does not have confidence in that three. Now, you could argue that his athletic ability um, and his style play essentially um, is why he only attempts limited three-point shots in a game. But when he was struggling there here a couple weeks ago, um, one thing that we kept mentioning is that he has got to find confidence in that three-point shot. He has to take those threes, and he has to make them at at least a semi-decent rate for defenders to come out and defend him. So that way he can use his pump fake or use his uh, his his length to get by defenders dribble by defenders and either get a open uh, mid-range shot which he's very good at or what he's even better at is you know obviously finishing around the rim or drawing fouls around the rim and he's got to be able to do that a more consistent rate and I think a big part of that is shooting more three-point shots and also making more of his his mid-range and outside shots in general um, and when he's not doing that you see nice like like tonight recently four of eleven because he's not finishing around the rim he's not drawing fouls he's not getting the foul calls he's missing mid-range shots 
and um, he's got to take more threes and have more confidence and, and consistency in those three-point shots. But that's something that will come as he matures. And uh, one other thing I want to mention, though, I was about to jump into some some positives of Shea's game because I just I love Shea so much. But I have to mention before that that his decision making tonight was not as good um, as we're kind of accustomed to. He, he kind of forced some shots that he otherwise would pass up, which kind of led to that four of eleven uh, from the field. And he had three turnovers, which obviously isn't a terrible number, particularly for a second year uh, point guard slash shooting guard ball handler. But regardless. We've seen him take care of the ball better. We've seen him make better decisions. And tonight was not one of his better nights in that regard either. Now, his defensive game was very solid. I thought he played some really good defense when guarding Barnes and sometimes Bogdanovich. Um, it was really interesting how Billy kind of played or had him uh, defend. Basically, he had Nader uh, defending Bogdanovich for the majority with Shea on Barnes. And Barnes did not play well at all. I mean, talk about a terrible contract, Harrison Barnes. And I'm saying all this. I tweeted this out earlier, too. And, you know, that report came out um, earlier this week, which we'll get into on our weekly podcast, but um, about OKC being willing to take on long-term contracts in order for assets. So if, you know, the trade rumors from this summer where Stephen Adams was rumored to be um, negotiated with the, I guess would be the proper term there, with the Sacramento Kings, and we get like Harrison Barnes in return at the trade deadline. I'm going to eat my crow here, but that is a terrible contract. Barnes has been terrible this season. He was terrible tonight, and a lot of that is due to Shea. Uh, all, that's just, all that's to say that Shea played, played pretty well defensively, um, but him being a little off tonight on his, his game overall certainly did not help the Thunder's chances. But, like I said, I was about to jump into this earlier, and I stopped myself to get that last negative in uh, on Shea. But a small positive is to kind of spin this entire thing. I think this is kind of what Jake was getting at as well when he was mentioning this. But Shea led the team in minutes tonight. Um, that's not the first time. And Billy obviously trusts him and sees his potential as well, which I think means that Billy saw the things that Jacob mentioned to us and the things that I kind of picked on as well on as well such as his defense um kind of picking his shots he wasn't forcing shots like a certain other point guard on this team does even though he had a really good game and has had a really good stretch cough shooter cough cough um he did kind of pick his shots even though he didn't make them i mean this is just fantastic experience for shea and i couldn't be higher on him um and i'm really excited to to continue to watch shea's development so my one last negative dennis Schroeder. And not Shooter's game overall. I actually have that as a positive. But Shooter did not get a shot attempt in, in the third quarter after scoring, like I said, 15 points in 15 minutes in the first half. He didn't get a single shot attempt in the third quarter, which is a good transition, like I said, to my positives. My first positive being Dennis Shooter's game. <laughs> he has taken his game to a whole new level. And I've been really hard on him this season. If you guys have listened to my previous post-game podcast or listen to all of us on the uh, on our weekly group podcast, but whether it's just hot streak or if it's something more consistent, like improvement in his game, whether it's internal confidence or playing in Billy's new offense, which I might know just so happens to not include Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Um, anyways, <laughs> he was just about perfect offensively tonight, giving OKC 
he basically the death the desperate spark that they needed in the first two quarters when the offense was just absolutely stagnant they looked exhaust exhausted like they had been on a long road trip and had played a lot of games in a short period uh, short amount of time sure gave them that spark that they needed to overcome that and he balanced his scoring with looking for others which he hasn't often done all that much uh, this season but he has during this current win streak with the thunder and his hot streak and he's been fantastic and he did again tonight he led the team with 17 points on 7 of 14 shooting which seems crazy like we're, we've been almost accustomed to and spoiled um, over the past couple of weeks with players scoring in the 20s to 30s um, or three point guards all three of our point guards scoring 20 plus uh, but tonight, Shearer led the team with 17 points, which just seems kind of crazy and very low, uh, which could also be a negative, I suppose. But he was only 3 of 8 from 3. Um, but a couple of those threes either sparked OKC's offense, like I mentioned earlier, or kept them alive in the game. So they were pretty critical, even though he didn't shoot super well from the three-point line. I still would not be upset to see him traded, <laughs> simply because I'd like to see Shea have more responsibility. I just feel like that in itself will help will help kind of jumpstart uh, Shea's development even more so than it already has. Um, but in the short term, Shure has been phenomenal. And like I mentioned earlier, particularly during this past stretch of Thunder basketball, during this win streak, I mean, he has been a huge reason for that. And he really has, like I mentioned eating my crow earlier, but Shooter has really made me eat my crow um, from my early comments on him this season. You know, he really has been great. And he's raising that trade value, baby. I'm holding on to that. And I know some of you guys hate to hear that. You want to keep Shooter. You want to win these games. You want to try and make the playoffs. But I feel like the best thing for this team, particularly long-term, for the development of its youth and its core players like uh, like Shea and like Baisley, like I mentioned, I think the sooner they're able to – I shouldn't say the sooner they're able to trade Shooter because obviously you want to get the right package and return for him. But if they're able to get a good package for him with his recent play – I think that is uh, probably the way to go. So, next positive, Abdul Nader. Oh my goodness. Guys, sound the alarms. There is a Nader warning in Oklahoma in mid-December, and I'm not talking about the weather, is Abdul Nader shot a career-high five threes tonight, was five of six from the three-point line, five of nine from the field in general, had 15 points. Also, I thought he played with confidence defensively. I thought he was solid on that end. Uh, he used his length to disrupt shooters such as uh, Bogdanovich. I mentioned him guarding him earlier, uh, or Nader guarding Bogdanovich earlier. Especially early on in the game, I thought he played really great on him. He's looking like a brand new player with this, this new confidence that's been instilled in him over the past you know, however many games. Basically since Ferg's been hurt and he's been bumped into the starting role. It's given him a new level of confidence, and he is trusting in his play. And we have to give credit to Billy here, who has hoped this is, and has kind of seen this is the Nader that he was hoping for, that he's seen in practices, and that we've criticized for so long. Now, all that to say, with this giant disclaimer here at the end, we'll see if that lasts. I'm not necessarily confident that it will. But regardless, if it can... I mean, seriously, the way this team is, con is, is constructed, if Fur can come back healthy here soon, you get Diallo back, uh, and then you're like throwing Nader in those small forward minutes um, off the bench, and he's doing what he's doing now, uh, starting. I mean, 
that is a solid team, which is very, very interesting, whether that's for trade value or whether that's just for future development. Um, I think it's great to see from Nader, and we have to give him credit. So uh, another positive really quick is Chris Paul. I want to mention Chris Paul because he only had eight points. That could be a negative, right? But I loved his game. Um, I loved his game tonight. And I love his games where he scores 20-plus and takes over games down the stretch when the Thunder really needs it. We've seen that quite a bit this season. And I don't mean that in a negative way at all. But what I mean by tonight was one of my favorite Chris Paul games is how he played. He was the ultimate facilitator tonight. He read the defense. He did what was best for the team. You know, he, he knew creating his own shot like he's so capable of doing or even forcing shots wasn't necessarily what was best to win. He took advantage of the defense. He read the pick and roll. He knew that he had uh, two defenders coming out at him at all times, you know, a defender hedging um, on the pick and roll. And he was able to find ways to get the ball to our centers, such as Nerlens and Steven, who both had fantastic games. Um, that's why we saw so many lobs from him to Steven. He just picked apart that Kings defense, and I thought he played the perfect facilitator role tonight. And that's what I really loved about him. You know, that's something I didn't really appreciate. I, I, I knew he was so fantastic at, but you don't really take the time to appreciate that when he's on other teams like you do, obviously, when he's on your own team. So his defense was also great. Uh, There's a sp specific instance um, went down towards the end of the game uh, in the fourth quarter. It was a p potential game-winning play where the Kings had a fast break. I think it was their second straight fast break. CP3 strips the ball. He's the only defender down there protecting uh, the rim. He strips the ball, saves a layup, and then obviously it gives um, the Thunder another possession and kept the game alive, which, you know, then we get into the whole three-point game winner uh, for the Kings. But regardless, just that just shows how high his IQ is. And, you know, obviously with all due respect to my hero, Russell, Rus Russell Westbrook, um, I love Russ forever, my favorite basketball player, particularly while he was here during his stretch with the Thunder. But it is no coincidence that this team has taken on CP3's identity, and he they they have played more cohesive and have been more pleasant and honestly just fun to watch in general this season. And I think a lot of that starts with the Chris Ball. So you guys sent me quite a few Twitter questions, and I've been long here because this is a really fun game, and I wanted to give you guys that recap. Um, but one final positive that I had here was OKC centers. And I'll keep this one simple, sweet, and quick. But they both are playing fantastic defense. They have great chemistry on offense with primarily the ball handlers, Shea, um, especially Chris Paul, and also Shooter uh, to an extent. But Billy choosing to uh, run offense through them, and primarily Steven. He doesn't do nearly as much with Nerlens on the floor. But regardless, um, it's been so beneficial for this team. You have to give Billy credit there. And you have to give both of these centers credit. Steven's moving so well now uh, during this recent stretch of Thunder games on both ends of the floor. He just looks healthy. He looks more explosive. He's jumping off the floor. He's getting blocks again on defense. He's playing solid defense and communicating on defensive end. And like I said, he's jumping for, for passes and having alley-oops. And he's driving to the rim. He's being aggressive. Then you have Nerlens doing the same thing in his own way, right? He's getting his long arms and hands into passing lanes and getting deflections and steals. Um, he's driving to the rim and, and getting baskets. And he's reading lobs almost as well, maybe just as well as Steven is. So both of those guys being able to do that and being able to sit Steven and rest him as 
much as Billy has been able to because of Steve, or excuse me, <laughs> because of Nerland's uh, play this season has just been huge. And I think we'll we'll pay dividends, whether that's trade value. I know you guys probably hate me saying that over and over again, or just having both of them in general for this team is just so great. And so I want to be sure to make a specific point to shout out the centers. So you guys sent me some great Twitter questions, and I will never turn those down during a post-game podcast, even if I'm going super long. However, <laughs> I will give a little disclaimer that I will, I'm going to try and fly, fly through these because I have run long. So the first one here is from our very own. I mentioned him earlier in the podcast. Thunder Mob 405, Jacob Niffin. Asked me kind of an interesting question that all of you guys are going to hear this and be like, oh my gosh, no way. He's the future of a franchise. And I agree with that. But I think Jacob has a good point. Um, when he asked, would you trade Shea for a top three pick? And you really have to sit there and kind of think about it and think about those prospects um, this year, think about them next year, think about the guys who have been taken in the top three picks or the past, uh, you know, however many drafts, uh, however far back you want to go. And when you think the Luka Doncic's, obviously, which are generational players, obviously, but I see where Jacob is getting at here. However, we were talking about this and debating this in the Slack, and we both came to the same conclusion that no, I wouldn't, and I don't think he would either because of the emotional attachment, but also because I think Shea is one of those kinds of players. I think if you were to redraft that draft class, Shea is going to go probably top five, and um, he has so much room for development and growth, and that's the most exciting and one of the most optimistic things I've seen from this Thunder season so far is how Shea shows it is so solid, has uh, shown more potential than I even thought he had um, from hearing all that, you know, all the national media talk about him and evaluations of him when he was traded to the Thunder. So all that's to say that I would not do that because I'm really high on Shea. I think he's a cornerstone moving forward with this franchise. But I wanted you guys to be aware that I think Jake kind of has a decent point and that's something, you know, we should kind of ponder upon. Next, Zoko at phi underscore l-s-o-n i think that is um will you ever change the intros well zoko do i have a surprise for you stay tuned sundays uh i'm not gonna bring it out for the posting podcast but but sunday's group pod we have a special surprise for all of you guys shout out to our guy jacob silva putting together another great awesome uh, new brand new intro so stay tuned for that we're gonna debut that hopefully this sunday Kamiar asked yet again, as he does on almost always post-game podcast, why his why did my wife leave me? Uh, as Jacob mentioned on the last post-game podcast, Kamiar doesn't have a wife. He has a fiance, and he will soon have a wife here uh, this summer, I believe. But Nick had a great reply. Our very own Nick Crane had a great reply because you take too many naps. And for those of you who have been long-term followers of the Uncontested and have listened to our current uh, group pod intro you guys will get that reference so next stan sga super long name uh hunter harjo seven is his at he asked me did the refs count the official fastest eight seconds in human history um yes hunter i think they absolutely did however it there certainly was some other things involved there with either the ball being deflected or the ball not being uh, across half court in time before uh, they call the timeout. So there's a lot of other things in play there. But I'm, I'm with you. That was uh, a little frustrating. At or Thundering Thoughts, 
views from Wild City, I believe. I can't see his full his full name. Um, at views from OKC, asks how many points does Michael Cage average in his church league, and is Chris Fisher really a Fisher? So, how many points does Michael Cage average in his church league? Gosh, if I had a dollar for every time that Michael Cage references his church league, I would uh, probably have an additional thousand dollars on my yearly income, which would be really nice to have. Um, I would say he probably averages like maybe 15 points in his church league, but on like a gazillion shots. He's like the Russell Westbrook, this year's and last year's Russell Westbrook of the church league in OKC, I'm sure. Uh, no disrespect to Michael Cage, but I can only imagine. And is Chris Fisher really a Fisher? Um, you know, who knows? Who knows? Rise at Batlin Rise is my last Twitter question here uh, that I'm going to answer tonight because, like I said, I've gone pretty long. Could you see two of the Thunder main three assets they're looking to move, being uh, Dennis, Chris Paul, and Gallo? Could you see them going to the same team? And if so, which teams would do it and for what two players? So there literally is not a team, I believe, in the, in the NBA who um, could make that work for Chris Paul and Gallo's and Dennis contracts uh, without just clearing their entire team in return. So I'm not necessarily sure uh, about one specific team who could take all three. But there may be a team that could do like Gallo and Dennis. Maybe a team like Denver who could really use a stretch for score like Gallo and also a spark plug off the bench, a ball handler off the bench like Dennis playing that six-man role who could close games for him. Uh, those two both make really good sense on a team like Denver. It's just how are they going to match those contracts. And the way that they could do that or potentially could do that, would I'm not sure they're willing to give up those players to make that happen. So it would probably be one of those, right? And in general, uh, Dennis, Chris Paul, Gallo, one of those to be traded. I think this this trade deadline would not be surprised to see two. Um, my assumption would be that Gallo gets traded at the deadline. Um, I think Dennis will probably end up staying, but I would like to see him trade at the deadline, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast. And I think Chris Paul will not get traded until around draft time this coming summer. But I do not see uh, Chris Paul on this team to start the, the, the season next year. So I'm sorry I wasn't able to answer your, your question specifically there, Rise, but... Um, that was a great question. I really appreciate you guys sending those in as always. Um, thank you guys again for listening and following along tonight. I know tonight was a late game, but I really appreciate you following along with me on the Uncontested's Twitter account. Be sure to follow us there at the underscore Uncontested. Follow me at Taylor underscore P15. Stay tuned. The Thunder play the Denver Nuggets on Saturday. We will have you guys covered for that. We will have a group pod recording Sunday night with maybe or maybe not a new intro. Wink, wink, stay tuned, and that'll be dropping Monday morning to kind of kick off your guys' week and recapping the Thunder's previous week, this long road trip, and then looking ahead to the week of Thunder basketball next week. Also, I want to mention, and we mentioned this uh, previously, but December 15th is this Sunday. That is when all the players that went to new teams, essentially uh, free agents this past summer, are able to be traded. So that's kind of what many are marking as the start of trade season. So we will have you guys covered for that as well. If anything crazy were to happen, that's 
Sunday or Monday the 16th with the Thunder. We'll be sure to have you guys covered there as well. So, we appreciate what we're doing, the work we're putting in, uh, the fun we're having. Hopefully, you guys are having just as much fun as we are doing all of this. Please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. It really does help us out a lot in terms of growing, and uh, we would really appreciate you guys doing that. We also appreciate you guys just listening, uh, interacting with us on social media. Be sure to continue to do that. And again, until next time, until Saturday against the Denver Nuggets, I'm Durant. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.